politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for all those issues that matter in the way they matter and at the time they matter. And that time is now. Today is Thursday the 15th here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here to give you that daily dose of sanity, briefing and information on what matters. And really, the only ones focused on actually achieving results. You see, because click servitism and click servitives, click servitives and phony Republicans, they don't believe in anything. <clears throat> so, no God given tailwinds in the news cycle are used to harness outcomes. And that's why we have situations where you could have a 90-10 issue. You could have a revelation on a major public policy issue like the border. We had that big fight in Texas, and then it just died. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow, uh, Greg Abbott's bait and switch. Because Republicans, even when they focus momentarily on an issue, it's just to fool their base, not to empower their base against the other side, but to fool them while the other side is working on actually winning the issue. So we don't we don't get a result. The tranny shootings, we don't get a result on that. And then obviously the biggest one of all is something that we all suffered through more than anything probably in American history, global history, COVID fascism, the creation of a bioweapon to kill people, the blocking of its treatment, the locking people down, the banning people from breathing freely and then the genocide of the covid you know dna poison dna mrna poison that has killed countless people and we still don't have any movement in place that's harnessing all of the news that comes out daily the data the science the studies everything to actually do something with it to actually take them off the market. In a sane world, Republicans would have been beating the drum since they took over the House to finally push for taking these shots off the market and defunding them in the March 1st budget bill. Finally, today is the first time the Subcommittee on Coronavirus is hosting some sort of hearing on vaccine injury, but it's very narrow in scope. It's about a narrow payment program that's kind of a joke. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, some people might think, yeah, it's over with, you know, what do I care? I'm not getting the shots. Most of the mandates are over with in most people's lives. You got to be stupid to get it. But what if I told you that it does affect you? I mean, many ways for the long term and for the future, but in the sense that what if people who are getting the shot are shedding it on you? So this is something that we brought up really three years ago was unclear. We're going to have Dr. Pierre Corian coming up who has gathered a body of evidence demonstrating that the shots do indeed shed on people to an extent. So this is something I know you're all interested in and I haven't really revisited this in a long time, but now we have all the evidence with Dr. Corey. Very appropriately, we're sponsored today by a new sponsor, Zelenko Labs. Yes, it it is that Zelenko. Um, May he rest in peace, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. Uh, He warned before he died that they will be shoving more viruses on us. And 
We have this virus X, disease X they talk about. Honestly, I don't know much about it, how much of it is a fraud, how much of it is real because they created it. But the point is, he warned before he died that, you know, they're going to be doing what they do and we're going to try to stop it politically. But what we have to do from our end is make sure our immune systems are in top notch. And he before he died, he formulated something called Z-Stack. Um, I have a couple bottles, uh, you know, in my cabinet that I use regularly, my wife uses, and he has the, you know, the right formulation of zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. That's what he identified as the four most important ingredients, um, and that is something that no matter what they throw at us, you have, <laughs> like we're going to talk about today, the mRNA shedding of other people on you, all these people getting sick, all these respiratory illnesses. Uh, so now he, his lab still exists with a staff uh, after his death. So go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel and order today. Use promo code Daniel15, Daniel15, to save an additional 15% off. Again, a lot of people have pill fatigue. Like, how many of these things are you going to take? Um, so I, you know, th this way you get four in one. Also, I do find because you're not taking zinc alone, it's with others. Zinc sometimes makes you nauseous. It's really the toughest one to take. I find it much better in the Z-Stack together with others. So again, that's zstacklife.com slash Daniel. And then promo code Daniel15. Daniel15 for 15% off. So folks, there is a reason <clears throat> that they don't want us to talk about this. Because this is their future to kill out humanity. I, I can't believe I'm talking this way, but... It's, it's pretty obvious. You know, France yesterday in their parliament, I, I, at first I thought this was a joke, but it's real. They passed a law making criticism of mRNA shots a crime punishable by up to 45,000 euros as a fine or three years in prison. And it was done very, very quietly. I mean, no one's paying attention to this. Anyone who advises against mRNA or other medical treatments that are obviously suitable. That's the English translation of the language there. Obviously tr suitable for treatment based on the current state of medical knowledge, you, you, you wind up in prison. So while we still have that freedom here, <laughs> we need to speak out on behalf of everyone else. By the way, similarly in the UK, um, our, our good buddy Sonia Elijah at her terrific Substack, Sonia Investigates, she talks about this town hall that Rishi Sunak, the PM there, had like a town hall with people. And a guy, this guy named John Watt, just came up to him and said, Rishi Sunak, look me in the eye. When are you going to start to do the right thing? And basically, this was a guy who was vaccine injured. And he said, I've been censored. We're all censored. And then he's like, well, thank you very much for your question. You've made a strong point. I'm very sorry to hear about your personal circumstances. And you said someone over here also seems to have suffered by a similar thing. Now, obviously, I don't know about the individual situations that you're in. And he's like, oh, that's that's interesting. I'll, I'll look into it. So we have not made any progress within a few years. It is shocking that at a political level, despite all the intellectual ammo we have and just facts of life, we have not taken it to the next level. You know, so much so 
that in the reddest of states, we can't even rectify the mandates, much less take the shots off the market. Again, Florida is still the only state that they're recommending against it, calling on the FDA to take it down. Hopefully that Florida will find a way legally to ban it within the state. But um, <clears throat> here's a couple of items. In Wyoming yesterday, my good friend, Jeanette Ward, uh, introduced a bill in the House, HB 53, that would simply... I mean, this is unbelievable. It, w- it wasn't even about vaccines. Would simply say that a governor cannot implement a public health emergency without the input of the legislature. Okay, simple bill. That's it. I mean, you would think after everything we've gone through, in a state where they have a 57 to 5 majority in the House, they'd be able to pass that. But no, it was voted down 2734. So, um... Basically, you had you know, more than half the Republicans, slightly more than the five Democrats joining together. And, that, and that's about where it is in, in Wyoming. So there's, there's 57 out of the 62 seats are Republican, but there's only about 27 or so conservatives. It hovers around that number. I mean, that is unbelievable. It's like going through the Civil War not having the 13th Amendment. That, that we can't even lay down the proposition that if we're going to have a public health emergency, the legislature should approve it. We can't even get that passed in Wyoming. Let's move on. South Dakota. Another friend of mine, Ben Cromer, introduced HB 1221. Simple right to work. You know, the Koch brothers, and, and I agree with it, but the Koch brother libertarians pushed this business right to work, right to work, right to work. Well, right to work meant that you cannot discriminate against someone based on their status as a member in a union. So simply, we're just going to say, well, if that could be a part of anti-discrimination law, so certainly you can't discriminate against someone for not taking a serum on their body. It was in the Commerce and Energy Committee, House Commerce and Energy. It was voted down. Seven voted to kill it. Four voted to continue with the legislation. So seven to four was voted to table it. There is only one Democrat on that entire committee. And that's what we have. And, and all the while, Christy Nome is able to float around in the back, never forced by my colleagues to, to take a strong stance on the issues, is able to go out on TV, oh, all this stuff, but she will never, ever support a bill on illegal immigration, on medical freedom, you name it, nothing. On trainee stuff, and this double game continues. So she's a hero. Greg Abbott's a hero. That, 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 that's the low IQ of the movement. Well, Daniel, it's kind of tough to know because they say one thing and do another. Well, schmucko, that's why if you're a loser that doesn't do anything for a living, you're not a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, an engineer, and you just freaking do politics all day, so we would expect that you become an expert in politics. Is that too much to ask? I don't expect the rank and file person to know this. But if you're going to sell yourself as a thought leader on the right, well, yeah, you better know some of the basics. West Virginia, 
We finally got a vaccine bill before a committee, but all it does is eliminate childhood immunization requirements for those attending virtual public school. I'm not kidding you. So the implication of the bill is that it's totally okay to mandate serum on other people's bodies. Oh, but if you're attending virtual school, then you could be exempt from it. <laughs> I mean, that that's, that's the deal there. And then Idaho. Idaho committee did pass a ban on mask mandates, but it's only the government... So state and, and local government can't do it, but private can. And also, it exempts healthcare settings. So still going by the fake science that somehow masks help, and again, even if they did. So it's like the same thing with a vaccine. So you go wear it. The person who doesn't wear it, that's his fault. It's unbelievable that to this day, we can't even lay the marker down, even with mandates of mask and lockdown before we even get to, or vaccines, before we even get to the safety and efficacy and and rationale for, for these vaccines to begin with, starting with mRNA. But even on the lower level that we thought we were done with, we can't get that in states like West Virginia, South Dakota, Wyoming, and Idaho. That, my friends, is the legacy of having a movement built on Twitter memes, built on mindless, low-IQ schmucks that know nothing about policy, know nothing about politics, even though that's all they do for a living, while the left has a full movement. Well, these are the results. So we can't even benefit from all the news that we have buttressing our views on things like the border, on training stuff, on the vaccines, on medical freedom, because we don't have a movement in place. <laughs> Well, folks, <laughs> on that sour note, something to make, make you happy. As we look for a miracle politically, we have a miracle made with bedsheets. Um, I've been telling you guys about miracle made th- using silver infused fabrics that have temperature regulating bedding. So in the summer, it's nice and cool. But in the winter, it's been keeping me, me and my wife nice and warm. We have only used miracle made uh, pillowcases and um and sheets since uh i guess we started last summer as they joined us trymiracle.com slash conservative okay trymiracle.com slash conservative you go there and then you use promo code conservative what do you get okay well you save 40 percent off and you get three free towels with that same technology and then save an extra 20% off. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better. It's amazing comfort, luxurious quality for, for a cheaper price. Um, would make a great anniversary gift, by the way, if you're, you know, kind of like me. After 15 years, you start uh, struggling with different ideas. It's also self-cleaning, so it's really good on the, on the skin. The same infused uh, silver fibers um, make it that... They last a lot longer, so you don't have to wash them as often. And obviously, the self-cooling, it is truly... I wish we had a political party and movement that was actually good at something, but these people are good at what they do, making bed sheets. So again, upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made at trymiracle.com slash conservative, promo code conservative. Um, just one more thing before I bring on uh, Pierre... I don't know if you guys saw this story, but I have an article out. So we've noticed a lot of B 
big famous people, famous politicians, that they suddenly become sick or die, suddenly die. And we all wonder, you know, was it the vaccine? And the disgusting thing that occurred in 2021 is so many people suffered in silence. They wondered, where is this? Why is this happening to me? And they thought they were crazy and they were embarrassed and ashamed. While everyone was saying, this is the most virtuous thing. You better get it. And really, it turns out the more we look into it, because we were, we were thinking, if this is as ubiquitous as we saw, you know, like 7.7% clinical level injury, a good number of the bigwigs had to have had these problems. And the answer is they did, and they kept it quiet even as they promoted, promoted the shots and mandated them. So the latest example from our friends at Alpha News in Minnesota, the former Minnesota Department of Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm. Um, so she was the commissioner during that critical period in 2021. Turns out she revealed recently that she was diagnosed with a blood clot following one of her injections in, in early 2021. I personally had, you know, my doc reported I had a blood clot. I'm not saying it was the vaccine, but it fit the criteria for what should be reported. My doc reported it to VAERS. So there was a VAERS entry on the Minnesota Health Commissioner for blood clotting. Okay? I just got a call about a month ago from somebody following up on it. Meaning this would have been like two years later. I was both glad someone was following up and appalled that it took so long. So she's announcing that she's appalled that theirs took so long to call her. Yet people like her for, for years were ridiculing us for pointing out that the government's own pharmacovigilance system blew up beyond belief from day one, even in December when this thing was December 2020, when it was only given to healthcare workers. And yet she spent, and we were censored. Like anything we put out on VAERS got zapped. I, we couldn't even post at the blaze. I had to post at conservative review. Couldn't put anything on Facebook. <laughs> Obviously, I got kicked off of Twitter for about seven months. But um, anyway, she admits VAERS is legit and needs to be quicker. She filed one on, on blood clots. Yet for months afterwards, she was shaming people. December 2021. So this had to be, have been at least 10 months or so after she got the shots. She put out a video and said the difference between the vaccinated and unvaccinated populations remain very, very stark. The danger for unvaccinated people has probably never been as high as it is right now with the degree of viral transmission around the state. The arrival of vaccines truly was like a ray of sunshine. She said in a video. This is how demonic these people are. They themselves, it turns out, suffered. I mean, because we know people like... Um, Gavin Newsom got something like Guillain-Barre or something like that, Bell's palsy, and he was treated for it. They all know. Premeditated murder, and a lot of them were affected by it. But it's such a religion. They're, they themselves are willing to die for it. Censor, prison time for talking out, speaking out against it in, in France. Well, that's why we're going to continue speaking the truth but not just speaking, but pushing to get this stuff banned. 
So folks, the hallmark of the so-called pandemic and the response to it was the prerogative, the ability, the fake morality behind forcing another person to take some sort of pharmaceutical intervention or non-pharmaceutical intervention, modification of someone's life to accommodate another person. And as we've always noted, it, it never made any sense because if it works, then you have that protection and then the other guy's you know, stupid for not doing it. And if it doesn't work, then certainly garbage in, garbage out. So when is there ever a time where person A needs to take an affirmative action against his body to help person B? Well, the answer is there is no such legal, moral, or scientific rationale that that could ever occur. But in fact, and I, I noted this several years ago, it can be true the other way around. If you do something unnatural to yourself and take some sort of therapeutic that someone else is not not taking, you know, rightfully so, you could potentially affect that person. And from day one, a lot of people were asking, Do, does this shed? Okay, Do mRNA shots shed? Obviously, self-spreading vaccines is something that Hopkins and others have openly been bragging about. They've been pursuing. They've been researching. It's unclear where they are and you know what things do that. But as it relates to the COVID shots, there's always been a question about it because we do know that they're in your exosomes and they seem to you know shed like like a virus does. We know that in Pfizer's own clinical protocol on page 67, they do seem to indicate that you could be exposed to what they call the study intervention, aka the vaccine, by, quote, inhalation or skin contact. Inhalation or skin contact. It's like, well, whoa. And we're like, wait a minute. So does that mean that we're experiencing problems? You know, a lot of people have talked about the fact that, you know, they they claim to feel ill or sick when they're around people like that. And and who knows? And it, you know, I I it's anecdotal, you can never tell. But when Dr. Pierre Corey is warning about something, you should probably pay attention. He was the one who warned about the both the need to treat COVID and, and, and a method of treating COVID. And now he he's all over the place. He's got a whole monograph written up um at the FLCCC website. I don't ha- I didn't have time to read it before this show, but I figured I'll give you guys the first glimpse of this about the body of evidence pointing to the fact that these shots indeed do shed in some way. And, you know, for those of you who don't remember, obviously, Dr. Pierre Corey is a co-founder of uh, the FLCCC. He's also co-founder of the Leading Edge Clinic for those seeking treatment for either, you know, COVID injury, COVID vaccine injury. Um, DrPierreCorey.com is where to find him and his clinic, and he is with us today. Hey, Dr. Corey, thanks so much. It's been way too long. Yeah, it's been a while, Dan. It's great to be back. Nice to talk to you. All right. So so that's kind of my my synopsis of it. This is something that, that we've all been looking towards. I remember there was early on a University of uh, Colorado School of Medicine study that seemed to indicate something with, you know, unvaccinated kids getting antibodies from vaccinated parents. Um, but we never had a lot of information on this. And then the issue kind of died off. But you're rejuvenating it now. Could you go over the synopsis of the evidence that you present in this yeah. paper? Yeah, for sure. And I think you did, you know, you, you hit some of the high points, but 
um, I think just to be totally clear about this issue. So number one, one of the reasons why I kind of finally did a deep dive is because it, it's been a problem in my practice. Uh, myself and my partner, we have a cohort of our patients which really are sensitive to shedding and they do get sick. Their symptoms get worse. They flare. Um, they regress and relapse in some of their progress uh, after some exposures. And so it's become a real issue. And I started to do the deep dive into the science. And let me just hit the high points. Now. So number one, and, and I liked how in your intro, you talked about how you know, not only did we force people to get these injections, but those that elected not to are not safe from them. Um, luckily, it's, we don't think it's a large number. We, we can't quantify how many people are susceptible, but, you know, it's absolutely outrageous, right? That, that you know, our own bodily autonomy, those of us who elected not to take this, uh, is being affected and being violated. And, and it, it's such a gross miscarriage of, of yep. every principle of medical ethics. But here's the deal. This is how egregious it is. The FDA knows that gene therapy products shed, number one. So number one, we know these mRNA vaccines, they're gene therapy products as defined in the FDA document on shedding studies for gene therapy products from 2015. There are three other products. Uh, the, the other gene therapy products that are on the market all have shedding warnings in their inserts. One of them uh, you know, uh, recommends that uh, the person who received the, the gene therapy not have sex or impregnate someone for six months. Um, the others, it comes out in the tears and the other one comes out in the feces and you have to handle the feces uh, carefully. And so other gene therapies products shed. The FDA recommends shedding studies on all gene therapy products done in animals and humans. They weren't done for the vaccines. And so you're talking about a campaign where we literally did a global campaign vaccinating most of the earth, right, with a gene therapy product, which sheds. Um, so we know that. And then, like you mentioned, the Pfizer, even in the Pfizer trial protocol, they wanted to record instances of anyone exposed to the vaccine by either environmentally or, or uh, through the skin, right, through inhalation or skin. I mean, it's, it's literally right there in the trial protocol. They know it. They were worried about it. Yet when the campaign rolled out, the first thing that you saw as social media started to blow up with menstrual problems that women who are unvaccinated were suddenly experiencing after decades of being regular. And, you know, whoa, 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 th 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 that's a big revelation there. So you're saying it's not just the people that got the shots, which is obvious. I mean, that was recorded yep. in endless studies, the menstrual irregulation. But you're saying that around the same time, people that knew they did not get the shots, women started experiencing that. Well, well, yeah. So to be clear, when and I'll talk about the symptoms of shedding, but the number one far and away most common is menstrual disturbances. That's number one. Um, that's the most common. And, and to be honest, the definition of shedding, right, is the development of typical adverse effects to the vaccine, which occurs into someone who's not vaccinated. Um, well, there's a little caveat around that because some of my patients who've been vaccinated are actually sensitive to shedding. Their symptoms do get worse when they're around people, particularly people recently boosted. So it's not just the unvaccinated who are at risk. But certainly the most common side effect is a disturbance in the menstrual cycle. And that started to be talked about on social media very early on. I didn't pay that much attention to it. There's so much going on uh, at that time. Um, but I, I see that, you know, in, in, in the work that we've done, I've worked a lot with a colleague of mine called the Mid Midwestern Doctor, and we have over a thousand uh, clinical um, case reports and anecdotes of people's experiences with shedding and, and menstrual disturbances, number one. And, you know, that started to happen. It got fact-checked to death, right? You see so many articles 
where when Shannon comes up, we'll get some, you know, pedigree doctor from some academic medical center who, you know, absolutely dismisses the notion that these things can shed. But there's tons of documentation uh, that these things shed. And so um, that started to happen. And, you know, it's not just mental uh, disturbances, but but that was the most common. And there was even one group that started uh, a website called My Cycle Story, where they collected uh, reports from women who either had been vaccinated and had menstrual disturbances, but they received hundreds of reports of women who complained of being exposed to someone recently vaccinated. And, and then they had, uh, you know, either heavy bleeding, missed periods, irregular periods, um, you know, clots, you know, there all sorts of things that they were complaining about after exposure. And so, um, and, and that, you're saying the reason the that was the most evident is because at its core, the mechanism of action of this, you know, attacking the endothelium is really a blood disorder. Yes. I mean, the spike protein, and we, we think the main route of shedding is inhalation, right? Because you kind of mentioned that, that, you know, the other thing that we have to understand about these vaccines is that, yes, they belong to a category of therapeutics called gene therapy products. But more importantly, is they belong to a category of therapeutics called nanoparticle technology, right? So for your listeners, they may or may not know this, but you know, those, the mRNA is enclosed in what are called synthetic uh, lipid nanoparticles, right? That's how it gets to the cell. That's what delivers the mRNA into the cell. And these nanoparticles are well known to traverse almost any physiologic barrier, transplacental, uh, breast milk, they can be exhaled and then absorbed. So we can absorb people's exosomes or, well, to be clear on the terminology, lipid nanoparticles is synthetic. But we have natural counterparts within our bodies called exosomes, which circulate. They do a lot of cell-to-cell communication. They're almost like hormones. Um, they control a lot of processes in our body. And what happens is the spike protein that's produced can be enclosed in an exosome, exhaled through the breath, inhaled by someone else, and then absorbed into the body. And like you said, the spike protein does so many pathophysiologic um, disturbances and one of which is uh, blood clotting, and they can cross the placenta. In fact, there was a paper just came out on a preprint two weeks ago where they uh, uh, looked at two placentas um, of full-term uh, births. I think one was a little bit premature of women who were vaccinated in pregnancy, and they found spike protein in the placental tissue. So we, we, we know that already. So we're screwing up the next generation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean... I mean, we, we already, I mean, if you look at Jim Thorpe's paper um, in the American Association of Physicians Surgeons Journal, um, which showed that when they looked at VAERS reports for about 11 different like pregnancy and menstrual uh, outcomes, that the proportional reporting ratios, which is you compare how many reports are for this vaccine compared to the flu, they, they set the flu as like the baseline for safety. And the CDC says, any PRR, reporting ratio that's over two, is a, a trigger for further study. And in that paper, they showed on every single pregnancy and uh, menstrual outcome that the PRRs ranged anywhere from 10 up to 300. Mm. And so it's absurd how toxic these things are to the reproductive cycle and to pregnancy. And all of this is being censored, as you know, uh, Daniel, and, and yeah. shedding is being censored. I mean, literally, as we're talking at this subcommittee hearing on coronavirus, um, one of the government officials like, theirs is not intended to determine if a vaccine is causing an adverse event. But when you have PRR levels that high um, and then you refuse to even 
acknowledge it, must much less to investigate further. It's insane. But you know, the chairman, Dr. Wenstrup, um, just said this almost an exact quote. I'm very concerned today with vaccine hesitancy, the hesitancy of many unwilling to vaccinate their children. So the problem is not the problem. The problem is that right. the problem is gonna make people vaccine hesitant. I mean, this it's, is unbelievable that despite the wealth of what we know. They're still doing this. I literally have this on right now. It's the first time they're broaching vaccine injury ever on this committee. And they're, they're of course, addressing it from the exact wrong approach. Dr. Corey, um, my question for you, because everyone really wants to know this, from your research in terms of the mechanism of action. So, you know, I was hoping that maybe perhaps this would only be a problem with prolonged exposure, such as the University of Colorado um, the the kettle at all K E D L study where it was basically you know kids with parents so they're gonna hug them they're gonna be yeah. with them all day but you know am I paranoid because I've been paranoid you know when I'm when I'm in a, in an area and I see a guy with a mask on I'm like oh no you you know he's gotten spiked up you know a lot recently um that I yep. could just get it kind of from casually being in a group setting in a in a in a room with someone yeah. So here, well, let's be clear about that. So the way I think of shedding is that there are, I mean, true, I guess the real definition of shedding should be the development of symptoms after exposure. And yes, it doesn't have to be very prolonged exposures. Um, but luckily, it's a very small cohort, I can't put a number on it, of people who are sensitive to shedding. Um, I think part of the reason why that is a very small number is people aren't aware that it's happening. So I think there are people out there who get symptoms from being mm. exposed to the vaccine, and they just don't know why, right? Because they have no idea why. And I'll give you a perfect example, Daniel. So one of my patients, I saw him about three weeks ago, and he was not doing well. He had made a pretty good progress and was complaining of lots of new symptoms. And um, my, a lot of my patients read my Substack, so they're very well aware of shedding. And he just suddenly tells me, he says, you know what? Another thing, Dr. Corey says, I can't go into grocery stores. He says, you know, I wanted to trade Joe's. I'm there for about five minutes and I just start feeling so terrible. I have to leave. And then he said, yesterday, for instance, we were at a farmer's market. It was really crowded. I, I was there for 10 minutes and I absolutely had to leave. I said, suddenly feeling terrible. And I said to him, I said, you know what that is, right? And he says, no, I said, it's shedding. And he says, what's shedding? Well, so what, sort of, what sort of him. symptoms? So I can't remember with him, but typically, so the most common are menstrual. Uh, second is headaches, dizziness, um, rarely nausea. Others, it's fatigue, and that's the most common. And then less common are like um, palpitations, uh, vertigo, uh, and then there are like rare ones like seizures. We've had patients with seizures, um, atrial fibrillation. So, so it has, there's, there's a wide range of reports that we've gotten, but typically it's like headaches, dizziness, kind of malaise, not feeling well. And that's kind of what happened with him. He just suddenly felt deeply unwell and, and had to leave. Um, and then some of his neuropathic symptoms like sensory neuropathies, like tingling, burning, some of that got worse in, in that case, but, um, they, they run the gamut. And sometimes they're transient, meaning it'll last a day or two. But other patients or other people have reported that, um, let's say, after some in-laws come over for dinner, they'll feel unwell for days, many days. And so, you know, the, the duration, the severity, and the type of symptoms vary. Uh, but it's, it's really disturbing when you hear about it. And, 
you know, we have so many reports where people have now had to alter uh, kind of their social patterns and behaviors because they have to uh, keep free from being exposed. But, you know, going back to the original thing we were talking about, is I think it's a small number that actually gets symptomatic. But what I have concerns about in, in regards to me and you, right? So, so I'm not symptomatic, right? I, I can be around plenty of uh, vaccinated people. I'm around crowds all the time. I've never had any odd symptoms develop. But I'm worried about being exposed to, for instance, the DNA plasmid contamination issue, right? So, you know, the way they manufactured it for the, for the public, not for the trials, is they used um, bacteria, right, to, to reproduce um, um, the RNA. And they did that through these DNA plasmids. And that we know is contaminating the vials. It's injected into people. And I'm concerned, and we're worried about DNA integrating into our genome. So am I at risk of people who've been vaccinated, them exposing me to DNA plasma contamination, which has those like pr- promoters. I'm sure you've looked into that, Dan, like, you know, the SV40 promoter yep. sequences. No, all, all that stuff. I mean, so, so your, your question is that, so maybe you're not getting a lot of spike enough to make most people sick and your metabolism chews it up. But you're saying if you get a nano, you know, tiny amount, could it have a Trojan horse in it, basically? Yeah, I don't know what my future looks like. I don't know what the cancer, you know, I I am concerned about uh, being, you know, having harms to me, not in the acute sense, like not having acute symptoms of getting, you know, acutely ill. But what are the long term effects of of living in a world where everyone's been vaccinated with a gene therapy product that sheds. And, and so I have my worries about that. I don't think there's anything I can do about it. To no. be honest, I think that there's really, you know, I just have to accept it and live on. But I, I mean, this, uh, but, but what is so is ironic is that when you think back to the people whose lives were destroyed because of yep. the mandates, when you look back, it wasn't just a lie. It was a blood libel where they were the ones doing the opposite was true. I, again, there's never a time that you affect someone else for not taking the intervention that they want you to take. Because, exactly. again, by def- you, know, you, you took the intervention and you, you think it's so great that you have to force the other guy to get it. So, wow, it must really work. So it works. So what do you care? Where is the other way around? When you go and and put something unnatural into a population that people don't want, and then you, but you're putting it on them, and it could yep. shed. So, I mean, the, the, from a legal standpoint and a moral standpoint, it's disgusting. Now, I do know that they've been bragging about self-spreading vaccines. Do you think this was? There you go. But but do you think this was a manifestation of that, or it was kind of accidental? You know, I I. I can't really i don't have any evidence on, of intent i mean i have a, a endless cynicism um and i'll take any answer possible but I, I don't know about the intent or was or was this just a, a rush to vaccinate everyone in, in, in a supposed emergency and they were just reckless about it or was it willful but when you talk about self-spreading vaccines you've already mentioned that paper right so they looked at children of vaccinated parents and they found antibodies to spike in the children who are not vaccinated. Now that is shocking. And in that paper, the conclusion, the authors hypothesized oddly that the parents had uh, spread antibodies to the children. Oh, really? I've never heard of that before. I don't get immunity from my parents' uh, infections that they've recovered from. They don't pass along that immunity to them, to me in the household when I was a kid. No, that's not how humoral immunity gets spread outside the womb. And so you have to ask yourself, 
why were those kids developing antibodies? And my conclusion is that spike was being transmitted from the parents to the children. And even more disturbing, Daniel, the most disturbing paper that I found, which is still on a preprint, I'm sure you know the paper, it's uh, Patanzanos, and I can't remember the other author, but they're the ones who did that first big paper showing the correlation of uh, excess mortality with vaccination campaigns, like throughout US and Europe using databases. And they saw these you know, really temporally associated rises in excess mortality. But they also found, this is shocking, they found that when they looked at excess mortality in kids during the time when the kids weren't being vaccinated because it wasn't approved for them, during the first 18 weeks of the adult vaccination campaign rollout, excess mortality rose in the unvaccinated children. Yes. And so... I mean, this is really dystopian, this whole conversation, this whole topic. I mean, it's almost hard to describe how unreal and reckless and just um, really, I mean, you could use words like evil or harmful. Again, it's I've never seen anything like this. This is literally the biggest medical catastrophe in history. I, I... I I mean, that that is really shocking. And by the way, those of you who want to look this up, um, it is titled Evidence for Aerosol Transfer of SARS-CoV-2 Specific Humoral Immunity. Again, Kettle et al., um, K-E-D-L. Um, it was published May 2023 in Immuno Horizons. I don't know what that is, but it was preprint you know, a while before that. Um, so that yep. you can look up there. And uh, and the p-value was 0.01, so it was pretty strong um, in what they found, you know, the correlation with with uh, uh, or the difference between um, vaccinated parents and unvaccinated parents, unvaccinated children. I mean, that is really scary. P- uh, Dr. Corey, are there other vaccines that you think might shed? Well, I think all gene therapy products shed. So, so actually, actually, you know what? That's a very good question, Dan, because we have yeah, to be clear. Let's say the flu shot. The, the, yeah, hold on. So the term shedding with vaccines, there's actually two ways that vaccines can shed. So the word shedding is not new. I think it, it has a unique definition when you're talking about a gene therapy, but it has been used with attenuated live virus vaccines. It's been well known that after someone gets an attenuated live virus vaccine, not, not the flu shot, um, that that virus can then be shed to others. And that's been known. It's been called shedding for years. But And we had that recently kind of with one of the therapy. polio shots that I think someone in New York right. got that. Right. Yes, exactly. So like polio virus, yes, that can be shed and, and, and transferred to someone else. Those are the risks of attenuated live virus vaccine. This is a gene therapy product. And, and you know, a gene therapy is defined as any time you inject genetic material and then it produces something in the body, right? And so with these vaccines, they produce a spike protein. And when you talk about shedding of gene therapy products, it's the product of the genetic material, which is spike protein can be shed. So it's, it's a different shedding than traditional uh, vaccines. And, and, you know, this product, and we know the spike protein is like one of history's most toxic pathogens. And so now we have people producing pathogens. Now, the other questions that come up, not only the symptoms and who, and by the way, the people that are susceptible in our experience and looking over a thousand reports, the people who have to tend to be, not always, but most, the vast majority are very in- environmentally sensitive to like uh, things like maybe even EMF or mold or allergies mm. or even sensitive to pharmaceuticals. You know, there I have patients who can't handle, you know, full doses of things. They get a lot of side effects from medicines. They, yeah. So they tend to have very... Uh, but, but then it's going to be hard to determine because those people are always upset, you know, about something. 
Right. But they can see the temporal associations. I mean, they, you know, there's so many reports of like people having to stop going to church. There are reports where they can actually pinpoint the shedder. So they'll be going to church and they know they have to avoid <laughs> specific people. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. What people well, if are you if you find there. a guy with like, the, you know, those guys with the N95s on now, you know that they got the juice recently because um, it's yep. the same type. And, you know, it's kind of but, but that that's the sick irony that that we were treated like like leopards. But but the reality is the other way around the isn't other way that, around. Like, I can't that, protect myself yep. against. Someone shed it. It's it's so bizarre what you point out, right? It's like the it's just absolutely shocking, right? Like where we were demonized and vilified uh, and ostracized, right? Now it would seem that there's an indication to do it back, but we don't really want to. I don't propose that. I think no. we've done enough of that. We need to be unified. We can't keep doing that to ourselves as a society, but. I do think we need to be cautious. And for me, one of the reasons why shedding, you know, why I kind of got into it more is we think, now we think, the evidence really strongly suggests that there's more and more shedding after boosters. And me and my partner believe that even though this last round of boosters had such low uptake, mm-hmm. this particular booster sheds like crazy. Why? Because we're seeing, we think we're seeing more shedding uh, experiences now than we have before, at least in our experience. And I don't know why. I don't know enough about that kind of science. I mean, I'm more of a clinician and do clinical research, but just from a clinical perspective, we think that these things are shedding, uh, these boosters are shedding more. You know, this leads me to something else I want to get your take on. A friend of mine in, in, in the Wyoming legislature just introduced HB 115 to label in the blood banks in the hospitals to label the mm. blood by you know the, the you know those who got the covid mrna shots versus those who didn't from what you're telling me that this is so sensitive with the tiniest microscopic amounts to go and spread spike and then certainly with the dna plasmid contamination issue i mean shouldn't this be something we're pursuing yeah well 100% we should have concerns about the blood supply. Now, on a little bit of a reassuring level, we really don't have many reports of transfusion-related shedding events. Hmm. Um, myself and my partner, we had one patient who sought us out who truly had a very good history suggesting that their side effects came after transfusion. But uh, you know, I think it was Steve Kirsch did a big survey of, of like his readers, and actually not one person reported an event around transfusion. But shouldn't there that be more than comment. inhalation? It should be, but again, I don't know how much uh, spike would be in the blood. You know, again, I, I, I just don't know, but I, I think there are some risks. I just don't think they're large mm-hmm. um, with transfusion, but there's, I, I have grave concern, especially with this, these boosters seemingly producing more spike. And, but I, I still think overall that as we go forward and booster uptake goes down, the blood supply will become safer. I mean, we just have to stop using gene therapies. I mean, I, I believe as a physician, all mRNA technology should be stopped. Um, you just that, that is not a safe platform, period. <laughs> and so um, I, I hope that I, I think shedding should be one of the most compelling reasons to stop this campaign, but it, it will never be stopped, right? What you just gave that excellent example. You have this maniac who's worried about vaccine hesitancy <laughs> in the face of the most alarming data of toxicity and lethality of any medical product in history. And he's worried about vaccine hesitancy. And that is actually the key. It, the it's like a religious policy, belief. 
Well, that's it's also a policy, right? The entire policy of the world's healthcare agencies throughout COVID was to combat vaccine hesitancy. And how do you combat vaccine hesitancy? Well, you ignore all the data. You dismiss all the data. You censor any publications in journals that call attention to the harms of the vaccine. You always repeat that they're safe and effective. You, if you're going to talk about a side effect, you always have to say that it's rare. I mean, <laughs> we, we have, we're drowning in papers of case reports of horrible reactions. And in each abstract, the authors are always writing how rare this yeah. unfortunate. But, but by the way, by the they, way, they in the University of, I have to say, in the University of Colorado paper we we're talking about, yep. the way they got that published is they, they pitched it as a good thing. All of the kids have yep. antibodies. That's awesome, right? Yep. Isn't that shocking? And, and I believe that those authors, when they hypothesized that they were transferring antibodies and not spike, who knows what the first draft they submitted was? <laughs> I mean, if yeah. they, they can't really have written it as antibodies being transferred through the air. Uh, they, I'm sure they suggested that it's possible that the it's spike protein, but I'm sure it was removed from the paper. Or they didn't even put it in because they knew it would never get published. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's the thing. I mean, thank God we still have uh, free speech somewhat here. Um, in France, they just, <laughs> you know, prescribed three years in prison for anyone who questions mRNA, and I think we now know why. Um, last thing I want to broach with you, you've written a couple of articles on excess mortality. So we saw 2022 was a horrible year. I mean, obviously, death spiked. Where have things been roughly the last year now that we see there's not a lot of people getting more shots, relatively small cohort? What are we looking at in terms of the demographics of excess deaths? Well, so you're right. So I published three op-eds in the, since August. So the last six months, I published one in uh, USA Today, Newsweek, and then the most recent one was in The Hill. The one that we published in The Hill, basically, we have data from the first nine months of 2023, 158,000 Americans have died above normal rates. Excess mortality, more than predicted. I mean, mortality rates in society tend to be generally stable, uh, you know, month to month, or I should say year to year. And we had 158,000 Americans die. Wait, 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 what? Meaning, the, yeah, wait, wait, you said the first nine months of 2023. Yes. That, that's why. Yes. So it's so not 2021, future. 2022. No, 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 no. It's still continuing, Daniel. The, the excess mortality is raging still in 2023. What's your hypothesis? What's your hypothesis? Because obviously in 2023, there wasn't a lot of new vaccine take up. And it was, so what sort of age cohorts are we seeing and how, what is that telling us in terms well, of the cause? Well, ah, now you're, here's, here's the really shocker. You're not going to want to hear this. But in 2023, all of that excess mortality was focused in under 65. In fact, do you want to know what the excess mortality was for those 65 and over? It was minus 6%. It has to be minus because so, so many died during the pandemic. So you'd have the bounce well, back. That could be one That could be one factor, but it's not the old people that are dying in droves. Um, either they've already died, but it's mostly in young people. And from the actuarial data, the life insurance industry, that's where you see it so shocking. I mean, you know, the, the uh, what is it, 25 to 34 and then 35 to 44. Those age groups, for instance, in 2021, in the third quarter of 2021, absolutely exploded with the proliferation of the mandates. And I mean, there was a 100% rise in excess mortality in those age groups. And I mean, just 
unprecedented. And, you know, life insurance industry executives, and you know the story, right, came out and said that a 10% rise year to year is a one in 200 year event. I mean, actuarial data, they know their rates. Their whole business is dependent on predicting, you know, incidences of death and accidents and all of that. So if they have a 10% rise from year to year, that'll happen once in 200 years. And they reported a 40% rise overall in life insurance claims from one of the biggest life insurance companies. And they, they just... They didn't want to attribute to anything. They said they, they said it was non-COVID. It was not totally driven by COVID. Obviously, there's a big elephant in the room. Um, and you'll see all sorts of articles claiming ridiculousness, like, oh, it's the opioid epidemic or deaths of despair um, or even global warming and all sorts of but, nonsense. And the data does not support that. In terms of the data, that's very interesting that you're saying it's, it's more middle-aged because I would say the few people that continue to get boosters would be seniors, that they're brainwashed into getting it. So does that mean that if you're dying in excess in 2023, it's likely not necessarily people that just got a new dose and then they drop dead within 30 days? Agreed. Is that sort of like, I don't know, the turbo cancers, the subclinical myocarditis, you know, things like that? Yes. So, so. Yes, I don't think it's recent vaccination that's still driving the dust. I think it's probably vaccines from a year ago, and that's still the after effect. And then, for instance, last night on our weekly webinar, we had Professor Angus Dalgleish. I don't know if you know his work, but he's one of the sure. top I'm trying to get him on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's absolutely incredible, man. I mean, he's so deeply knowledgeable about so many areas. And he's worked on vaccines for decades. He worked on HIV in the 80s. Um, he, I mean, he has this broad wealth of knowledge. But what he said in his vaccine research previously is that they noticed when they were studying uh, different vaccines that with each successive shot, they saw more and more damage to the immune system. And basically what he has found with these vaccines is the turbo cancers are not coming out of shot one and shot two. It's all a booster phenomenon. And so all of these cancers that are raging are largely being uh, caused by the boosters. And so so that should be of, seeing- of a lot of solace to a lot of people in this audience that, you know, either made the mistake or were mandated and forced. They got the first series, but then they didn't get anything more. You're saying particularly the cancers is a function of what is that a cumulative effect? Yes, I think it's, it's a cumulative effect. Yes. Um, and and it, it seems like the third shot is the charm. So uh, that's when there's enough damage to the surveillance of the immune system, whether, you know, they do IgG class switching and they're no longer able to monitor and control uh, mutations that are occurring. And, you know, uh, Angus, you know, he talked about just in his circle, not even talking as a researcher, in his own circle, he has had so many cancers. Um, he's had uh, patients and friends of his with been in remission for long years, suddenly relapsing with really aggressive return yep. of cancer. And it, it's really just terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I know I've had family members dealing with, you know, again, and, and thank God they weren't, weren't turbo cases, um, so, you know, and, and, and not all were vaccinated, so it's not clear. But what I did gather from that is that radiology and an oncology were booked up beyond belief. Yeah. And, and that was well known. I mean, anywhere they go, all the nurses working, they're like, yeah, there's something going on here. Not everyone was willing to admit what it was, but it's the, the anomaly is is clearly noted and undeniable. And, and that's what's scary when you look at the what you're talking about, the shedding, the DNA contamination, the the transpl- yep. placental tra- uh, transmission, the the breast yep. milk. I mean, uh, yep. we we had a. Do- I mean, 
it, it's just like this this is endless nothing to see here daniel I and mean, we have a whole society of power structures and authorities literally marching into the future nothing to see here nothing to see here i mean there's no organized all it is is like I wouldn't say fringe, but we're, we're a small band of committed yes. uh, clinicians and researchers trying to sound the alarm. We're getting censored and drowned out and or fact-checked to death. Uh, there's no open debates. There's no public uh, attention to this. I mean, this is, this is the biggest public health crisis uh, we have ever faced. And yet we have this panel, like you said, is talking about worries of vaccine hesitancy. We, we can't even fully get rid of mandates in in red states. I mean, before you came out, I was talking about yes. South Dakota. South Dakota, we couldn't even get a full ban on private sector mandates. Um, in in uh, um, Wyoming, we we just tried to have just a not even vaccines, just a simple bill that if you want to declare a public health emergency, the legislature has to agree to the governor. So you have you know more democratic yep. input. And no, I mean we can't even get it in. It's bipartisan. The health committees in every state. They're chaired by by pharma bros. Um, they're there. It's one party. It's literally one party. It doesn't matter. And yep. uh, three years later, it's like you could have a study that comes out says everyone who took it will die within five years. It still won't make a difference. I just don't get it. I mean, we, we live in the United States of pharma. I mean, they literally control almost everything. They control the media, right? Uh, there was that fascinating interview with uh, Tucker Carlson last week by the uh, expert on the pharmaceutical industry. And he, he basically says that all of the advertising for uh, pharmaceutical products on television, it's actually not done to sell more pharmaceuticals. It's to control the message. Yes. They put so much advertising dollars into the media yep. industry that the media cannot talk badly about their product because their stuff cannot withstand like what i find amazing is that their stuff is so unbelievable that people can't believe it because like your average pediatrician so they don't study any of this stuff this stuff is like gospel they're born with it oh yeah you know you know god created adam Adam and eve and he created the vaccine schedule and whatever is put on there and like I didn't realize this was common knowledge among people that studied it, but I didn't know until recently that there was no real control group in in these right. studies. And and Dr. Paul Off, it's like, yeah, well, saline could also cause you know adverse events. Like, wait a minute. So you're admitting you're admitting the point, and then just throwing something absurd out there. How many pediatricians even know that? Just the basics. They do not. And and when you see how calculated, how many decades. I mean, the vaccination industry, they have purposely never given a true placebo. Always they give some component of the vaccine in the placebo group. And so that's done in a very cynical, calculated fashion. It's to hide adverse effects. And so, because we know it's the immunogens, it's the other adjuvants that go in the vaccine that cause most of these effects, and they're putting it in their placebos. And I mean, the entire vaccination evidence base is essentially fraudulent. They've never been tested for And, and, and the immune system, from an epidemiological standpoint, it, the immune system is so hard to see. You know, you know, like I think the COVID stuff is hard to miss because, like you said, it's a gene therapy. The nanoparticles, it goes everywhere. It even sheds, so it, it affects every organ system. You have all the 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 hematological, blood clotting, neurological. You couldn't miss it, and I, a lot of that probably you don't have with most others, but. But what you probably do have is a degree of immune uh, suppression, autoimmune, the autoantibodies, and that's very hard to pick up. Yeah, I mean, we we know 
the explosion in a lot of neuroinflammatory disorders, so like uh, autism, ADHD, uh, peanut allergies, uh, general allergies, asthma, lots peanut of peanut allergies. It's they really all, they all exploded with the vaccine schedule. So I was born in 1985, and and Aaron Siri put out a, a like you know, a graphic of the amount that had a baby and all the shots around it from 1986 yep. to one born recently. So around that time, yeah. and I, I was thinking when I was in kindergarten, elementary school, there was no such thing. We didn't have this peanut allergy thing, but it was very shortly after is where that became a thing in, in, in the schools. It was like right after that. And it, it's again, like I didn't understand this before COVID, but now that we have all these papers and we understand the way the immune system works and this just uncontrolled spike of, you know, we don't even know the types of classifications of antibodies, the, the right amount in the right place at the right time. Yep. And the notion that we're threading that needle in every single vaccine and then the cumulative effect of them is insane enough. And now we have the um, luggage of the gene therapy tethered to that as well. So now from a epidemiological standpoint, like I said, you know, we're, we're working on the RSV shots and I was thinking it's going to be so hard to tell what crap they're causing because of all the variables with the COVID shots causing so much illness. Yep. yep. I mean, there's only really one way forward as a physician. I just have to say that um, do not get any other vaccine ever, period. Um, what we've learned about the entire evidence base for all of the vaccines um, is shocking. And then you touch on another point, right? So the explosion in the schedule, which I think now is 72 separate injections to a child, a developing child, whereas I think it was 12 when I was born. I was born in 1970. Maybe it was like eight when I was born. Um, now you have 72 and you've removed liability. So where is the incentive to, to, uh, to make safe vaccines? Where is the incentive to limit the amount of vaccines you give a day? They do not care. It's a huge market. And their dream, the entire vaccination industry's dream was to have an adult vaccine. Because remember, kids are a small proportion of the population. Once you go out to adults, uh, nobody's safe. And it's a massive market. Wow. And they also had liability uh, with these COVID vaccines. It, it, it is it is just so indefensible that we couldn't even have a bill put on the floor since Republicans took over the House to uh, modify the PrEP Act and the NCVIA, anything. I mean, at least at least compensatory damages. If you don't want to do punitive, you know, at least cap it. But something that will allow discovery, because it's not so much the money, it's the discovery in court that they obviously want to cover up because, again, their entire industry cannot withstand scrutiny um, but now we got to worry about even more with this. I do think, by the way, Dr. Corey, with what you're talking about, there is another avenue to get around the PrEP Act because what we're talking about now is fraud, is with the labeling of gene therapy. See, that's not a vaccine. So, right. you know, I think that is an angle that that we're going to, you know, hopefully starting with Florida and then, you know, try to try in some of these states to ban them from the market from you know, not so much of a, a public health standpoint, but an anti-fraud consumer protection standpoint. Um, in other words, you're allowed to poison people, but you can't poison the poison or you can't lie about right. what's in there. You know, and that's what we have with the adulteration and, and then the lying about yeah. the process and and the gene and, therapy. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm good friends with Warner Mendenhall, you know, who's an expert at litigating fraud against governments and corporations for 30 years. And you know, he's one of the main lawyers on Brooke Jackson's uh, whistleblower case against Pfizer. And, you know, in talking to him, I just saw him uh, last weekend. You know, they're winning. 
they are winning, but the problem is the wheels of justice move so slowly. I mean, those cases yeah. are going to be appealed and debated and litigated forever. And by the time the real truth of this fraud comes out, uh, most of the damage has been done. I, I think the American people, the vast majority have figured it out. They are not interested anymore in these COVID vaccines. We know that from the booster uptake, but uh, you know, for, for really for getting that compensation, proving fraud, it's going to take a while. No, and, and that's why they're so frantic about the hesitancy. We're about out of time, but this has been really engaging. I hope to do it again soon. At Pierre Corey on Twitter, uh, com is your clinic. Um, and obviously, check out the FLCC uh, website that you have. Uh, you have a, the full evidence so people could see yep. your paper, um, about a 28-page paper you wrote recently on shedding the preponderance of the evidence. Well, Did I miss anything? Where, where else could people find your work? No, no, you got it. Just flccc.net is uh, the uh, my nonprofit website. And uh, no, it's been great talking, Daniel. Well, thank you, and thank fact, you all. I have, to give a, I have to give a lecture right now uh, well, on shedding to a group of clinicians. Well, we'll, we'll uh, keep, keep sounding the truth. Take care. Sounds good. Take God care. Bless. Bye. So, folks, we went overtime there, but it was worth it. Um, there's no nobody quite like him. It's one of the most beautiful relationships that has developed over the last few years. You know, a guy like Dr. Corey was a former liberal, and uh, boy, has he been red pilled. And uh, just just one of my favorite people alive has done so much good for humanity, and he he really believes it in his heart and soul. That's the thing. You know, a lot of times this becomes a grift, it becomes a career. Um, but he he really, you know, that that famous testimony from him, December 7th, 2020 on Ivermectin and how how frantic he was to, to save lives. He's still like that. Um, ju- just want to end by saying, look, I, I, I'm not saying that you need to ban anyone, do, do the reverse of what these clowns did and ban anyone, you know, got the shot, especially people that, you know, haven't gotten in a while and they're they're done with it. You know, if they're still getting it, you might not want to associate with them because they're just obnoxious. But in general, I don't think God wants that from us, that we become so fearful. Trust in God. Um, obviously, go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel and use promo code Daniel15. Get your Z-Stack so you have your, your up on your core vitamins, you know, have your solid immune system, and, 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 and you know, we'll be protected from this. But again, it does underscore legally how this violates the Nuremberg Code in another way that it subjects people even without a mandate now to this stuff. Uh, we'll get back to some of the other news of the day, of which there is a lot politically, the the budget bill, the border, um, and uh, Republican electoral incompetence. So uh, send me your notes, your questions for Dr. Corey, Daniel Horowitz at StarMail.com. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. 